the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, October the 11th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Happy Columbus Day. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Today, on October 11, 1968, Apollo 7, the first manned Apollo mission, was launched with three astronauts on board. Today, in 1884, first uh, American First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt, she was born in New York City, Today, in 1906, the San Francisco Board of Education ordered the city's Asian students to be segregated in a purely oriental school. The order was later rescinded. President Theodore Roosevelt promised to curb future Japanese immigration to the United States. Today, in 1950, the Federal Communications Commission authorized the Columbia Broadcasting Company, CBS, to begin commercial color TV broadcasts. Do you remember the first time you saw a color TV program? I do. It wasn't 1950. Yakima was running a little behind New York and uh, Los Angeles and probably Seattle in color TV. But it finally came. Couldn't believe it. I thought it was great. It was a little blurry, but I thought it was fantastic. Anyway, CBS was authorized to begin today in 1950. Color TV. Today, in 1968, the government of Panama was overthrown in a military coup. Today, in 1975, Bill and Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton and Hillary Diane Rodham, they were married in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Today, in 1991, testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee, Anita Hill accused Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas of sexually harassing her. Thomas had already spoken and addressed that. He had been then taken out of the um, out of the hearing, he came back after she accused him, and he denounced the proceedings, and he called it a high tech lynching. I agreed at the time, I agree now. Except they didn't pull it off. They tried to destroy Clarence Thomas, but they didn't succeed. He's perhaps one of the brightest, most dependable constitutionalists ever to serve on the Supreme Court. Today in 2001, the Polaroid Corporation, remember Polaroid cameras? Yeah, they popularized that instant picture. You know, you take your picture and a little film, a little picture would kind of come out of the front of the camera. They started doing that in 1947, but today in 2001, it was over. They filed for bankruptcy. And today in 2014, customs and health officials began taking the temperatures of passengers arriving at New York's Kennedy International Airport. They were testing those coming in from West African countries. It was a stepped-up screening trying to prevent the spread of Ebola virus. Ebola virus was named after a river in Africa, much like Wuhan virus was named after a place where it originated until China decided that was not politically correct. And American 
thought and speech police agreed. We can no longer call it Wuhan virus, even though all of the viruses have been named by their place of origin over the years, decades, centuries, perhaps. But no more. We can't have that. President Joe Biden took the day off today. It's Columbus Day, Monday. He he remained in Delaware at his house there where he ran his presidency campaign from. And uh, he's taking an extra day off to celebrate the holiday, to celebrate Columbus Day. But you wouldn't know it from his comments. He put out a couple of um, kind of interesting comments, uh, a little conflicting in my view, on Friday concerning Columbus Day. But he didn't really call it Columbus Day until, well, toward the end of it, he gave a second kind of a, a B proclamation. He's the first president in the history of the United States to proclaim an Indigenous Peoples Day instead of Columbus Day. But he took Columbus Day off because he needs the rest. He issued a proclamation on Friday recognizing that Monday, today, was and is Indigenous Peoples Day. As I said, that's marking the first time a U.S. president has ever done that. Our country was conceived, he said, on a promise of equality and opportunity for all people, a promise that despite the extraordinary progress we've made through the years, we have never fully lived up to. Biden wrote in the proclamation that it is especially true when it comes to upholding the rights and dignity of the indigenous people who were here long before colonization to the Americans began. He said, history demonstrates that the Native American people and our nation as a whole are best served when tribal governments are empowered to lead their communities and when federal officials listen to and work together with tribal leaders when formulating federal policy that affects tribal nations. He said, the contributions that indigenous people have made throughout history in public service, entrepreneurship, scholarship, the arts, and countless other fields are integral to our nation, our culture, and our society. Well, I grew up with a number of indigenous people. We didn't call them that then. I don't know that we'd heard that word. But I grew up around a Indian reservation in central Washington, the Yakima Indian tribe. And I think some of you may have as well across Washington State and elsewhere. I don't recall that maybe they just didn't talk about it, but I had friends, Yellow Wolf and so happy and all those guys. I grew up with those guys. I don't, I mean, I'm thinking that the the white left is trying to use the Indian tribes a little bit to leverage their own agenda more than they are to help the indigenous people. That's just my take, but I think I'm right on that. But what about Columbus? His, maybe he had a little bit browner skin. I mean, I, I'm not sure, but it could be. But Columbus has been demonized, except when the president wants to take a day off, and then that's celebrated. I'm not overstating. It is that bad. The second Monday of October has always been a federal holiday to celebrate Columbus Day since 1971. But Biden issued a separate, kind of a B-team type proclamation for that day. Here's what he said, just a part of what he said in his proclamation for about today, but he said it on Friday, which is typical because the 10th was actually 
yesterday, as we know. He said, for more than 500 years after securing the support of Queen Isabella I and King Ferdinand II, Christopher Columbus launched the Nina, the, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria from the coast of Spain in 1492. He said, quote, while he intended to end his quest in Asia, his 10-week journey instead landed him on the shores of the Bahamas, making Columbus the first of many Italian explorers to arrive in what would later become known as the Americans. Then he pivoted. That's all he said about Columbus Day. Then he pivoted, uh, or about Columbus. Then he pivoted, and he also recognized the consequences of this horrible exploration that gone awry. In other words, if, if fate would have played out properly, I mean, that's what I hear him saying, he would have never found America, and the indigenous would have never been disrupted. But anyway, he lost his way and ended up in the Bahamas, and he really had intended to be somewhere else, but he wasn't maybe that good of a navigator. I don't know what's all involved in that. But nonetheless, Columbus got lost, and in his lostness, he found America. And Biden goes on, the president of the United States, he said, for Native Americans, Western exploration ushered in a wave of devastation violence perpetrated against Native communities, displacement, and theft of tribal homelands, the introduction and the spread of disease, and much more. United Press International wrote a story on what Biden had said, kind of glorifying his words, and then they ended their piece, UPI, today, by saying, by contrast... Former President Donald Trump had referred to people who mentioned ramifications from the exploration as radical activists and accused them of trying to hurt Columbus's legacy. Well, Trump did say something close to that. I mean, they're right on that, but they take it out of context. And Trump was talking about the indigenous people, but he was talking about how many opportunities and how many people have been blessed as a result of America being America. But they didn't bother to mention that. They seldom do in the press. It's interesting to me that they're still fighting a person who is no longer president of the United States. They are still treating Donald Trump like he's enemy number one. And he isn't even in the Oval Office. And he hasn't even said he's going to run again for, for office. He may, but he hasn't said that he's going to yet, as far as I know. And I've been following this pretty closely. We live in an upside-down world, <clears throat> a lot of crisis, a lot of stuff going on in our world today. But the promises of God are absolute. You can count on it. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says, He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. It's not about strength. It's about Almighty God and what he allows and what he does not allow because he is in control. God is in control. If there's anything that you take away from our time together today, take this away with you. Remember it. God is in control. Well, I talked to this last week on Friday I was talking about. It. I'm going to pick it up and talk a little bit more about it because we know some things now we didn't know then. The U.S. Attorney General has kind of targeted parents by formally telling the FBI to look into parents who maybe 
threatening board members and school administrators and one thing or another. Last week, Attorney General Merrick Garland, he directed the FBI to look into what he alleged is a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators, board members, teachers, staff, who participate in these vital running of our nation's public schools. He said, we have to protect them. Protect them from whom? The parents. America, after they gasp and suck for air, including myself, parents begin to push back, and they're pushing back hard because they love their kids and they love America. And they don't want them indoctrinated with a false view of America and our history. Critical race theory, under the guise of so-called educating, has become the rage among these progressives. It's just their thing. It's what they talk about. They, at their cocktail parties in Manhattan, that's probably what they talk about. I don't know. A number of senators have also formally now pushed back. Now we learn that Garland's son-in-law is a co-founder of a company that, you guessed it, sells and distributes and teaches schools how to teach critical race theory materials in public school districts. And they're not a little pop-up shop somewhere. They're a big deal. They also provide common core to public schools. The co-founder of the company is married to Merrick Garland's daughter. Corruption? Conflict of interest? Parents who care about their children are taught what they're taught have become targeted. On October 4, the Office of Attorney General Merrick Garland sent a memorandum to the Federal Bureau Bureau of Investigation Director, the FBI, and the staff, which said in part, quote, in recent months, there's been a uh, disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats against school administrators, board members, and staff who participate in the vital work of running our nation's schools. That's a quote in the memo. The memo continues, while spirited debate about policy matters is protected under our Constitution, That protection does not extend to threats of violence or efforts to intimidate individuals based on their views. It's ironic that this ploy by government-run schools is directly intended to intimidate individuals, namely concerned parents who are, for the most part, not used to speaking in public or publicly disagreeing with educators. There's an intimidation factor there. Some parents make presentations or they're public speakers in their jobs or whatever they do, but for the most part, people do their jobs, they support their families, they do the things that we all do, and they're they're not used to speaking in public, particularly standing up to educators, because educators have been celebrated throughout the history of America and treated with respect, as they should have been, if they were educated. But Garland's memo reminds that threats against public servants are not only illegal, they run counter to our our nation's core values. And I'm going to come back to the core values in just a moment, but most of these parents that are going to these school board meetings, and they're packed out across the nation now, make no mistake, be aware of that. There is an uprising, there is a reaction to all of this FBI and all of this stuff getting involved and and keeping an eye on parents so they don't disrupt the emotions of the educators who are really not educating anymore. What they're really doing is indoctrinating, and everybody knows it. They know it. They just don't want to get detoured 
from their agenda of moving America into becoming a nation that our founders would never, ever recognize and God will never, ever bless. That's what's underway. So here we are at this point with this attorney general who was slated to become the next Supreme Court justice, but Donald Trump interrupted that. But now he's the attorney general of the United States. And his daughter and her husband are co-founders, the husband is, of this company. Panorama Education. It's a big deal. I'll give you some details on it in a few moments. On October 7, the members of the, of the committee on the judiciary sent a lengthy letter to Garland. They said, we are concerned about the appearance of the Department of Justice policing the speech of citizens and concerned parents. We urge you to make it, make it very clear to the American public that the Department of Justice will not interfere with the rights of parents to come before school boards and speak with educators about their concerns. Whether regarding coronavirus-related measures, the mask issue, or the teaching of critical race theory in schools, or any topic. This was from a group of senators. The letter continues pointing out specific cases where parents have spoken out, but it does not and must not constitute lawlessness. The letter was led by ranking member Chuck, uh, Senator Chuck Grassley, signed by all 11 GOP uh, committee members. It affirms that, quote, federal law enforcement muscle should never be used against protesting parents. But the threat of law enforcement has already sent a chill across the nation. I mean, I'm glad these, these guys did that, and I agree with them. But the chill has been put in place. We already know, as little people out here across America, who may have kids in schools or grandkids in schools, in public schools, we've already been chilled. We know that whatever they say, they'll say, oh, yes, oh, of course, we, they have the right to say anything they want as long as they don't create anxiety and a little fear among board members and all of that. They, I think public education in general already has a bit of a thread of fear because they know they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Rather than educating, they have turned our classrooms into a cesspool of indoctrination, whether it's about your sexual identity, these little kids running around being told, you may not be a boy, you may be a girl. And Ralphie says, what? What do you mean? Well, you may you think about this. You may not be a boy, you may be a girl. Wow, I never thought of that before. I wonder if I'm a girl. I mean, that's the process. I'm a simple man, but that's how it works. Millions of kids are being impacted by this nonsense, it's idiocy that's going on in public education today. If I were God, I would pull the switch on American public education. But I'm not. And we can all be thankful for that. The threat of law enforcement has sent a chill across the nation. That's why these senators responded in the way that they did. These guys know that. They'll come back and promise, oh, no, we promise, oh, we're going to obey the law. We're going to, we're seeking justice, social justice. Whatever that may be. But parents know that if they get a little emotional at a school board meeting, 
parents who are generally not used to speaking publicly, particularly to educators, as I said, they may be branded domestic terrorists, and they may get a knock on their door from the FBI. I'm not overstating. The senators concluded by saying, by even suggesting that possibility, important speech by American citizens will be chilled in school board meetings across the country. And of course, the Justice Department already knew that. They fired the shot. They've gotten the effect they wanted. Now they don't really have to take any action until parents get a little more rowdy. And they know they probably won't because nobody wants the FBI knocking on their door. Clearly, our, the most American citizens don't want their children being taught that they're inherent victims or victimizers, oppressors or oppressed, but that's how the left has divided up the colony of America, the United States of America, the most powerful nation in the history of the world. They have divided us into colonies. One colony is the oppressors. The other colony is the oppressed. One colony is the victims. One colony is the victimizers. We're now learning that A.G. Garland's son-in-law is a co-founder of a publisher that sells critical race theory materials to the 14,000 school districts, public school districts in America. They also sell Common Core materials. In 2018, the New York Times reported that then-judge Merrick Garland's daughter, Rebecca Garland, married Alexander Zan, is his nickname, X-A-N, Tanner. Tanner is now the co-founder of the service company called Panorama Education. Panorama Education is a social learning resource material provider to school districts and teachers that teach critical race theory. Zan Tanner explains it like this. This is all on their website. I wrote an article about this part of what I'm saying today, and you can go there and go to the sources. It's all sourced. It's highly sourced, what I'm saying. Because I'm sure there will be those that will disagree. <clears throat> anyway, Zan Tanner explains it like this. He says, quote, By asking students to reflect on their experiences of equity and inclusion in school education, leaders can gather actionable data to understand and improve the racial and cultural climate on campus. Does it matter to anyone that the Attorney General of the United States is instructing the FBI to investigate parents who might pose a financial threat to the business of his daughter's husband? That's what this is. Yes, Merrick Garland's daughter is married to the founder of the company who helps schools, teachers, and staff deal with the modern challenges of systemic racism by, these are words right off their website, by reimagining the way to social learning through an equity lens. In September 2021, last month, Panorama Education raised $60 million in a series, re, uh, a series uh, C round of funding led by General Atlantic. They're a placement company. They they raise funding for companies that are apparently these guys are going public. But among the $60 million venture investors was Chan Zuckerberg. She's the wife of Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg. So she now, the Zuckerbergs now own part of Panorama Education by virtue of their investment. 
The total raised since 2012 by these guys is $105 million, but $60 million of that was raised in the last 30 days. Do you think that it has anything to do with the fact that Rebecca's dad is the Attorney General of the United States? I, I think so. Panorama disclosed to its investors that the company is now in more than 1,500 school districts across the country, which serves 13 million students in 23,000 schools across the U.S. That means that 25% of American students are served by Panorama. One in four kids are being tutored by these folks as we speak. Well, maybe school isn't on in some areas today because of Columbus Day, but each day, each weekday. Since March of 2020, Panorama has added 700 school districts to its customer base, nearly doubling the 800 that it served just 18 months prior. A conflict of interest? I think it is. I realize this isn't as profitable as Hunter Biden selling his paintings for $500,000 each or receiving his $50,000 to $80,000 per month for, for sitting on that board of the corrupt gas company in the Ukraine, but it's a good start. They'll be in Hunter's category before long, and nobody seems to be raising a hand. There's threatening letters from senators, but there's never any consequences. I mean, think about it. Hunter Biden is flying high. Oh, I know he's being investigated. But call me when he's indicted. And he has broken the law. I mean, that's pretty apparent. It's all over his laptops, and they've got his laptops, and he's admitted they're his. September 2021, Panorama Education raised $60 million to expand operations. October 4th, 2021, the next month, Zan Tanner's father-in-law, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, tells the FBI to investigate any potential parental interference or disruption that might impede his son-in-law's business interests. That's what we're really talking about. Vice President Joe Biden, at a meeting in Bucharest with the Romanian civil society groups back in May of 2014, Vice President Biden, he said this, and I quote, Corruption is a cancer, a cancer that eats away at the citizens' faith in democracy, diminishes the instinct for innovation and creativity. Mr. President, please stop diminishing our instinct for innovation and creativity. I wonder if the president would even consider perhaps putting a lid on some of the corruption that's emanating from his, from his administration. These are perilous times that we live in. There is no question about that. But the Lord's word is true. He will keep the faint of the saint, feet of the saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. The word of the Lord. Well, we live in an upside-down world, and a lot of stuff is going on out there, but we'll keep you posted. God wants his people to be informed. People are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So we do our best here every weekday to keep you updated on what's going on from a biblical and godly perspective. Thanks for your support. We need it. I won't talk about it. I don't have time, but 
We need it. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.